is designed with women in mind. As we delve into what it means to be a true follower of Christ and how to navigate our daily lives, my prayer is simply that my speech will be theologically sound and that our words will be encouraging and life-giving. We will have different guests in the weeks to come and will be looking from various perspectives while staying ever true to God's Word. The title of the podcast is Beautiful Imperfection. As we go about our busy, chaotic lives, we tend to focus on the doing and not the being of who God created us to be. We sometimes get it backwards. In this podcast, we will discuss from week to week the being, our identity in Christ, produces the doing, and that the doing is an overflow of who we are in Him. We are imperfect in every way, but Jesus is perfect. The beauty in our imperfection is Him. So wherever you are in your season of life, if you're in your car, in your laundry room, or sitting in your favorite chair, grab a cup of coffee and take a deep breath. Relax and listen in as we look and talk about what being in Christ really means and how the Bible explains that it is not our imperfection that makes or breaks us, but that it is His perfection that covers us and that we can find rest in that promise. Then we serve Him out of an abundance of love that only comes through Him. Lean in with us. Here we go. We're working our way through the Beatitudes today, and I hope that you listened and joined in with us last week. And Lindsay is with us again today as we go over verse 4. And um, in this, Jesus is saying, These are the characteristics of being a follower of me. What do I value? We talked a little bit about that last week. We're going to talk a little bit about that and go into uh, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So as Jesus sits down, though, to address this crowd in chapter 4, before we get started into the Beatitudes, it's kind of interesting to think about the kind of, there were so many different groups of people that were gathering. And Jesus had been going through the countryside and teaching and speaking to them. So he had kind of rallied together a group of people, not even maybe meaning to do that. Obviously, he wanted people to hear his story. And so maybe he was, but what I'm saying is he wasn't out you know, screaming for people to come, they just automatically followed to see what he was going to say. And so um, as he sits down to address the group, which is um, something that's interesting to me, he didn't stand at the top of the mountain and yell this sermon for everybody to gather and listen to, but he sat down and he started to talk to the crowd. And the people are gathered, you know, with their iPhones or iPads or no, oh. <laughs> their notebooks <laughs> or pencils with all the things that can take notes with. And they're, they're, they're just thinking, this is going to be so great. I really can't wait to hear what he has to say. I wish my friend was here because I know they're going to need it more than I do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a normal Sunday morning, that. right? Mm-hmm. So we've had this great worship time and now we're ready to hear what he says. And, um, but everybody, the religious leaders, um, were already angry with him. The people of that day were from every um, nationality, all things. They were all following along, and they all had a preconceived idea of who Jesus was and with what he might say, much like today, right? Because so when we think about what God's saying through people, sometimes we become very critical about how they do it or what, you know, what they're saying. And, um, but 
as we go through the the text here in Matthew, the thing that uh, we need to listen to and hear is that he's saying to them and he's saying to us to follow me and you must have a transformed life and you can't do it on your own. So let's look at the text, Matthew 5, 1 through 12. He said, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What is it that is the blessed life? What does it look like? You know, it's really an interesting question when we think about that, because we think about happiness, don't we? And in the world, a lot of people concentrate on just the happiness, but God never tells us what to do without telling us who we are first. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the thing that, that we need to really, that's a major thing. A lot of times we major on the minor things, Mm -hmm, I guess, mm -hmm. and we don't concentrate so much on the major things. But I think it's so important that uh, we do what we do out of our identity in Christ. So it's not a list of things to do. It's not something that that he says, do this and do this and do this and um, to please or to get God on our side or um, on our own merits of any way. But they are what we become through him and what we should look like through salvation in him. So when I say what we should look like, <laughs> that's a tough one, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Because what that's what the Beatitudes are saying. So it's saying, you know, if we, if we do these things, if we're poor in spirit, then ours is the kingdom of heaven like we talked about last week. And if we mourn, then he comforts us. So these are things that happen in our life, and all the Beatitudes um, go through these things, and he's saying, um, this is what it means to look like me. So it's not all it's not skipping. On the and it's on yeah, the inside. there's nothing about it that we can do. So we're totally dependent upon him. Mm-hmm. And um, so that blessed life is um, an attitude of the heart, so to speak. So um, also that we are following him and trusting him and and believing what he says. And these people were a mixed group of believers and non-believers. And Jesus is making sure that they knew that it is him who has the power to make them a child of God. And the only remedy for sin is faith in him. So then we become his children. When we become his children, then that leads us to the blessed life. 
and we see it in the Beatitudes. So it's kind of a cause and effect. Sure. Um, we can't have that blessed life apart from him, yet we try to do all the things that we think will make that come true, and it's just impossible. And the only thing that causes a blessed life is a transformed heart, mm. and only Jesus can transform that. So um, we always live out our identity. So what is our identity in? I mean, we live it out, whether it's identified through Christ or if it's identified through the culture. I said it that time. Last oh, week I had trouble. I got it. The right it. Way. All right. So whether it's in the culture and things that people are bringing to us saying, these are the mm-hmm. things that you need. These are the things that will make you happy. Forget about all that stuff. You know, that's and that's that is what the world is telling us right now. Um, and But that's not what what the Bible is about. And that's not what Jesus says. Um, and so. Really, it's kind of like saying if you're unhappy, you're happy. <laughs> That's interesting. That but doesn't feel too good, no, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. But what it really means is the true joy and the true blessedness of Jesus. It's like congratulations that you get to have this because you do this. And so it's more of that. Um, it's a celebratory thing, but we don't always look at it that way. You know, I always look up to um, our elders and um, in life, and and one of the most profound people that really resonate and that you start to maybe even seek more towards are the people that are a lot more quiet, that have the humility, that have gone through just some tragic times, but they have done it in such an amazing, beautiful way of like being able to have Christ in them and, and for them. Right. So I think that's really um, powerful is that, you know, it speaks volumes by the silence that you have um, in, in your moments and um, in, in, your, in your faith with God. Okay. So um, how are we blessed when we mourn? This, is, this second verse is a pretty uh, powerful one, and it, it's a little bit scary because I think we all don't want to mourn, um, but we all know that we also suffer too, right, Pam? Right. I mean, we all go through life, and um, we probably will put on our Sunday best clothes um, mm-hmm. and go in and pretend that we are. Um, shut up and get in the car. We're going to church. <laughs> we didn't say shut up. <laughs> no, no, I shouldn't have said that. But this is grown women. So. That's right. But we'll always put on our Sunday best and pretend that we all have our act together um, every single day. But, you know, as Christians, we suffer um, in our lives. And um, Jesus does not promise that we're not going to suffer in this life. Yet, actually, he He tells us we are going to suffer um, mm-hmm. and that um, we are going to mourn. But, um, but when we mourn, um, if we seek him, that we shall be comforted. So how are we really um, blessed during this time of mourning and this um, sometimes tragic times? Right. And you touched on it a little bit, and that's John 16, 33. And it says, it's, it's just one of the many verses in the Bible that says that we will have trials or tribulation. Um, and it says that in this world, we will have troubles. It doesn't say maybe, might says that we will, but it also says, don't be dismayed because he has overcome the world. And that's where hope comes in. And when we do, when we look at the Bia, it does kind of seem like like an opposite kind of thing, but, but Jesus is saying, 
because I know that you're going to have difficulty, because I know that you're going to have trials, because I know that you can't get through them by yourself. So when you mourn, I will comfort you. Mm -hmm. So if you are in mourning, which we are, we're either been there, we're coming out of it or going into it sometimes, our trials. And um, he's saying, wherever you are in that process, I am your comforter. Um, and without him in that morning, there's people that go through morning without Christ. I don't, it's so hard to think about, you know, because even our worst day is better and is our best day with him. And if we don't have that, then we mourn maybe without being comforted, not in the way that's a heart transformation comfort anyway. So other people can comfort us, but not in the way that God can. Um, And he gets us through those times and we come out stronger. And that's what that's about. We come out stronger in him, a stronger belief in him, um, knowing him better. um, Because most of the time when we're going through difficulty is the time that in him we grow the most. And like I talked about last week in our, um, my story, a little bit about the, the breast cancer story is that um, I grew in a time in that time, even though I thought I was intentional about life, I really became intentional. And so I know, Lindsay, that um, there's a time that you have gone through this and that you've needed comfort from God in your life. Um, and you were in a time of trouble or of mourning. Um, could you please share that a little bit of that with us? Sure. I'm going to just share just a little bit of my testimony, honestly, um, just to back it up. Um, but um, it's a testimony about um, just really where I felt like God really showed up um, and where I grew the most and in my time of mourning. Um, I, I grew up in a Christian home and um, went to church every Sunday, had a great um, mother and father, and um, we had I had two uh, younger brothers, one um, that they're one that was three years younger than me, and then the other one was six years younger than me. So they're three years apart, each one. And I got saved when I was around nine or ten years old, baptized, and um, went to church my whole entire life. Um, Met Todd, and he actually even um, was serving in a Christian college conference um, called Passion. And we served there for for years um, there on out. But I think in my my time and moments um, when I was in my 20s, this is kind of when tragedy hit for me, um, I thought that really life was in my control. I was controlling my destiny. Um, I had a job. I had a career. I had now a husband. And um, I was now, you know, moving on to my next steps, basically. And um, at that time, I think um, there was just, there was just tragedy hit, basically. Um, just all of a sudden, I had gone out and um, with my brother and the one that was three years younger. His name's Andrew, and um, had a good old time. And we ended up. Um, it was a drinking and driving accident, and it was a it was a tragic car accident that killed him. And did not even know about it that whole entire night. Um, went home, and he was supposed to be going back to my house, and he never got there. And um, the next morning, I'll never forget this, um, my mom comes into the house and she goes, Lindsay, Lindsay, Andrew's passed. And at this time in my, um, my life, um, in that moment, um, I was in a, 
living in a two-story house and I fell down the stairs. I literally collapsed, did not even know what was happening, had no idea how to even deal with that feeling. And then all of a sudden I had this moment in time in which I just felt like, okay, Lord, you've got me, but I don't know how to go and move on forward. Um, I had literally gone through the most worst feeling in my whole entire life. Did I do something wrong? How could I have changed this? How could I have um, done something different? And I, I blame myself for quite some time. Um, I had this feeling of um, it's all my fault. If I would have never gone somewhere, then I this would have never happened. If I did this, my my parents would have had their their son back again, mm-hmm. and um, it was it was not a great feeling, um, and I didn't know how to come out of it. Pam, like you said, um, there's when that numb feeling comes about when you know what the best thing is to move forward, but you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, that happened in, in, in my time, but I, I feel like in, in this morning, in this time that I was suffering, that God was for me. God was always for me. Um, I just needed to pick up and do the next best thing and going through the Bible and going, um, into church, even though I didn't know what that feeling of was, or I didn't want anybody to ask me any questions either. I didn't want anything to really happen to the fact of um, being able to have to talk about that again. But I do know when God actually gave me that, that opportunity is I'll never forget. He, the Holy spirit just spoke on me is that I'm going to use your pain, Lindsay, for your, my glory. And when I started just letting go and letting God Mm -hmm. and allowing my heart to be changed and to stop trying to control the next best thing that was going to be in my life. Cause I really didn't know at that point he, he had taken that all away from me. It was gone. It was gone. I was like, I don't think that I know, even know what the next step is Mm -hmm. going to be. Then, then I knew that God was going to take me to the next step and to the next step Mm -hmm. and to the next step. And I really feel like when this this message is blessed are who those who mourn and for they will be comforted um, is when God changed me and I'll never I'll I'll have too many stories to count on my my hands that there have been many women been many families that I've been able to um, that God's been able to give um, and counter me um, through and um, and lives that I've been able to see and be able to share my story with them, share my story and tell them that they are going to get through this time mm-hmm. um, and, and how to get, get past this. Um, so I feel like um, God got a hold of me and, um, and just allowed me to then be used for his glory during that time. Right. That's, that's great. And that's what, you know, the morning um, is, when God gives us those times in our lives that he wants to change our hearts and move us in a direction that maybe we weren't going. And he does that through mourning, which is really hard to think about, but 
we're so sometimes we're so stubborn and set in our own ways. And I'm not saying that that was you necessarily. I'm saying in general, we have our own idea of how things ought to work. And then God says, oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> and we need to repent of that. Right. And that is also the kind of mourning that this is talking about, that we mourn over the fact that we need to repent of our sin too, that we mourn over the fact that we can't do anything about that. We mourn over um, the loss um, in that way. Um, but it's also a sorrow that comes sometimes in repentance, even if it's not connected to something that we're going through in our life. Isn't Don't you see that with people? People are afraid to repent because they don't know what what does that mean and sometimes we just throw up this little prayer of oh god you know forgive me of what i did today or didn't do today that i should have done today and then we go to sleep well Mm -hmm. this is not what that's talking about this is talking about a heart wrenching soul searching kind of thing that's saying um you know god i I really can't do this without you It, it is a it's a pit that you have to be pulled out of by his love. Mm. And so we all get in those places where, you know, in, in true repentance and answer to prayer sometimes is painful. Definitely. I, I, I would tell you that I, I think through the tragedy that I've been, I've never been more at peace mm-hmm. that he's done something that was probably the my my worst nightmare. Nor I could have even dreamed about that right. happening. But it's also something that he's used to help me grow right. and then use me for his glory. Exactly. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? That yeah. that the the worst thing that could ever happen to you could be used exactly. for other people's good. Right. And that's that's what talking about allowing him to do whatever it is he needs to do. You know, and that's a scary prayer, you know, but we want that for our lives and for our children. John Stott says in his book, The Message of the Sermon on the Mount, this is the second stage of a spiritual blessing. It is one thing to be spiritually poor and acknowledge it. It is another to grieve and to mourn over it. Or in more theological language, confession is one thing, contrition is another. And that means being remorseful over what it, that and allowing God to take that and and comfort us. So even though we know that there are joys in the Christian life, <laughs> there are also very deep hurts and mourning. But we have a place for that because Jesus has done the work mm-hmm. in our life. Yeah. yeah, being a Christian is not all uh, Rainbows and unicorns, huh, Pam? <laughs> no, it's really not. It's it, it's really not, but it's so rewarding because we always can depend on, we have that foundation that we can come back to, even when it's tough, even when it's not. Um, and we still have fun and laugh, and even in our morning, in our, because of the work that God has done in our life. But uh, that's definitely one way to put it. It's not always <laughs> rainbows and unicorns or the things that we think about are the happy things. But we are blessed by God when we live out our being in Him. So we're joyful, but we also shed tears. 
And life is painful, but Jesus fills our hearts and he fills our hearts. F-I-L-L-S fills, fills our heart, but he also feels what we feel. And so no matter what grieve, uh, grievous thing or circumstance that we are going through, he comforts us and promises us that he's got us. And so when our identity is in him and we live from that, we have hope and faith to know even when we don't feel he is working, he most definitely is. So what do we do then? Our being in him produces our doing through him and we are comforted and joyful because he fills our heart. This is a good place to stop and we'll pick up here next week with beatitude number five, verse five, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is going to be an interesting one. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you have gleaned something of value that will help you in your day-to-day lives and draw you closer to living fully in who God designed you to be. Until next time, you are beautiful in His sight. You've been thinking and listening to us and wondering, how can this become a reality in my life? How does how can my identity be in Christ? And you've never received him. I'd like to give you the opportunity to do that right now by praying a sinner's prayer. It's a very simple prayer, and it goes like this. Lord, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for going to the cross and dying for my sins. I open up my heart. I ask you to come in. Please forgive me for everything that I've done and help me to walk with you as I follow you in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to connect with you and help you as you start your life in Christ. Please visit thebestnews.org.